Our Old Testament lesson this morning is from Psalm 27, verses 1 through 14, which can be found on page 862 in our Pew Bibles. This is one of our readings for this week to pray through in the Read Scripture plan. Before we read, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day that you have made. And God, we thank you for your word that you have given to us. We ask that as we um, hear your word read and proclaimed today, that we would see you more clearly. And that seeing you more clearly, that we would see everything else more clearly. And we pray that you would help us to see all of our circumstances, our good times, our bad times, and all the times in light of who you are, what you have done and are doing in us, through us, and in your world, through Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen. Psalm 27 of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God, my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart, and wait for the Lord. New Testament lesson from John chapter 21, verses 1 through 9, which can be found on page 1687. In our few Bibles. This is after Jesus was raised from the dead. This is afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way Simon Peter. Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. 
When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This morning, we are going to be looking at a story that takes place on the road, uh, on the road to Damascus. Damascus in Syria, which is still there today, and there is actually a road mentioned in this story that is still there today. And you could go there, if, if you like, <laughs> although you may want to check with a travel agent first. And it's about a man who was on his way there when everything changed. Let's read Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 20, and then we'll, we'll talk about it. it says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's people, no, against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up. And go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there, speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask, for a young man, and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem, and he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord, Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once, he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. Wow. 
right? Wow. You have Saul who starts out going to Damascus and look at what's coming out of his mouth at the start of the story. The beginning of the story, what's coming out of his mouth are murderous threats. That's what it says. He was still breathing out murderous threats. What's coming out of his mouth at the end of this story? In verse 20, at once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. We have a man here who is completely shifted what's coming out of him. And of course, as Jesus said to his disciples, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of, right? So we're not just seeing a change in behavior from this guy. We're seeing a change in heart from this guy. And of course, we see what it is that's changed his heart, and that's an encounter with Jesus. That is what's happened. But let's back up a second and see who this guy is that's meeting, uh, meeting Jesus on the road, and then we'll see who he becomes as well. First of all, this is the same guy we saw a few weeks ago when people were killing Stephen. Stephen, who was one of, the, uh, one of those deacons that was set aside for the distribution of food. And then Stephen, whom they bring up for, <laughs> to persecute him, and who preaches an amazing uh, Old Testament survey and showing how it all points to Jesus. Stephen, who they then threw rocks at till he died. And it says Saul was standing there. They put their coats at his feet, and then in chapter 8, verse 1, it says, and Saul approved of their killing him. This is the Saul we're talking about. And so when we read that first line in chapter 9, and it says, meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples, we've got to take those threats seriously. This isn't somebody who just, you know, talks about things from time to time. This is somebody who, he's seen it happen. He's been there. He's done this. And now he's going other places to do more of the same sort of thing. We hear this in the response that Ananias gives when uh, God says, hey, Ananias, why don't you go meet this Saul guy? And Ananias is like, wait, <laughs> which Saul guy again? Are you, you mean the one who, yeah, that one. I think sometimes we miss when we're reading the story of Saul and his conversion, of his absolute change of heart and change of direction in life. When we read this story, we miss just what a, <laughs> for lack of a better term, bad guy he was. Saul missed it too, by the way. Because in Saul's book, he was the good guy of all good guys. Saul was actually a Pharisee. He was kind of, if you would uh, have the leveling of spirituality in the people of Israel that day, he was pretty high up there. And he even goes on and he describes that later. He's like, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. I was from the tribe of Benjamin. I would, and he goes through all these lists of things that, has, that he has as accomplishments. And then he says, but I count it all as garbage. All of that as garbage after meeting Jesus. But before he met Jesus, he counted all of that as a great resume. You know, when I stand before God in the final judgment, he's going to be really pleased with me. Look at who I am and look at what I've done. I have read the Old Testament more than anybody else. I have memorized sections, and I have pointed out to everybody around me what all they're doing wrong. If there's anybody that God's going to be happy with, it's going to be me. And then after he meets Jesus, 
It all changes because he realizes the way he was looking at everything was completely wrong. The kind of change we see in Saul would be like if you had, well, back up a second. When Ananias is called to go to Saul, to this house on Straight Street in Damascus, his feeling about that is likely the same feeling you would have if I were to ask you right now to go visit somebody on Straight Street in Damascus today. This is a life-risking proposal here. Ananias gets it. Saul, in his self-righteousness, has taken on him that posture of being a warrior for God. I am going to do all these things that I think God wants me to do. And let me tell you, this is about as close as we get in the Bible of somebody who resembles modern-day ISIS. That's the kind of thing we miss as we're reading this. He is through and through to the core, somebody who is convinced this is what God wants, this is what he's about, and I am going to go do those things. Even if it means killing other people, throwing them in prison, whatever it is, I'm going to do those things so I can prove how committed I am. I can prove to God that I'm on his side. The problem is God didn't say to do those things. That's not the kind of God he is. And so when Saul meets Jesus... Here he is thinking, I'm on the side of right. I'm on the side of righteousness. Then he meets Jesus and he finds out, no, I was on the side of self-righteousness. And that's about as far away from righteousness as you can get. And so he meets Jesus. And he has this moment. He falls to the ground. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He answers, who are you, Lord? He says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Oops. Then he tells him to get up and go, and you'll be told what you must do. I love this. I love this. We see this over and over again throughout Scripture. When God calls people, he doesn't lay out the whole plan. Here's what the rest of your life is going to be like. Here are the things you're going to do. And It's always a, yeah, you'll find out later. For right now, here's the next step. I love that. And so that's the same plan we get with Saul. And this is who, like I say, this is who he he was. He meets Jesus on a day he's not expecting it, in a way he certainly wasn't expecting, and his whole life is turned around. And so when Ananias goes to him. Poor Ananias. Uh, (laughs) When he goes to him, when God says to this believer who's being hunted, go. Go find this ISIS-like individual. Ananias hesitates, understandably, but then he goes there. He does what God says to do, and when he does, he greets him by placing his hands on Saul, and he said, Brother Saul, that ought to hit you. 
He takes this man who is his enemy, by all rights his enemy, the one who's come to this town to find someone like Ananias so he can kill him or throw him in prison. And he's already got authority from the chief priest to do just that. Saul's the enemy. God's kind of in the business of reconciling enemies. <laughs> so he has Ananias go to Saul, and he greets him, and he says, Brother Saul, the Lord, Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you are coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Saul is changed in this encounter with Jesus, this receiving the Holy Spirit. And what we see in Saul from now on is very different. In fact, uh, <laughs> Saul, who we usually refer to as Paul, except for like this one story, and so that makes everybody get confused and think that this is when his name got changed. That's not true. Um, he does have a name change. It's just the Greek form of his Hebrew name. So you have Saul when he's talking to Hebrews. You have Paul when he's talking to Greeks. And what we see from Paul for the rest of his life is he's mostly talking with non-Jewish people. He becomes this next link in the chain, and that's what's happening right here, is this portion of this book, Jesus has already said at the very beginning in chapter 1, verse 8, he said, you are going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And as we've been going through the whole book, that's what we've been seeing happen, is the people who knew Jesus and who had met him and who were close to him have been witnessing to what they knew of him and his resurrection and this Holy Spirit that's in them empowering them to witness and testify to who he is and what he's done and his promise to continue to do in Jerusalem. And we've seen it now going out into Judea and all Samaria. And that's actually when we started this chapter today, and the first word was meanwhile. This is what was going on meanwhile. Meanwhile was the uh, was this Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, was Simon the sorcerer. We have these people who are in Samaria and all Judea who are receiving the message and receiving the Holy Spirit. The plan that God had enacted and has that Jesus announced in Acts chapter 1 is being carried out. But the question is, if it's gone to Jerusalem, it's gone to Judea and Samaria, now it still has to go to the ends of the earth. Who is going to be the one who's going to take it to the ends of the earth? Is it going to be Peter? He was pretty close to Jesus, right? Is it going to be John? Is it going to be him? Who's it going to be? That's what's going on in this particular passage. Is the person that it's going to be is the person we would never, ever expect. It's like trying to pick who's going to be the best ambassador for the United States and picking a member of ISIS who has sworn to try to wipe us out and saying, that's the guy. That's the guy we're going to use. And everybody says, that sounds like a really bad idea. And it probably would be for us to do something like that. <laughs> But that's what's so amazing is God can take somebody who's completely the wrong choice for us and he can change them on the inside to be exactly the person for the job. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. And so what we see is not only does Paul continue to go on from this moment and you know, preach in Damascus, but we see him preaching place after place after place. And in fact, that's one of the things we're going to see throughout the rest of the book of Acts is where all he goes and who all he tells about Jesus and how we have the church actually growing and spreading and being planted in all these different communities and the people are hearing about Jesus not only in Jerusalem and in Judea and all Samaria, 
but to the ends of the earth. That's the whole rest of the book of Acts. That's actually part of the story that we're living right now. And Paul was instrumental in this. But the whole point is, it's not because he was Paul. It's because God got a hold of him. Because he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, and his whole life was turned around backwards. Or maybe we should say, finally turned around frontwards. (laughs) He talks about his experience several times. I just want to read one of the one of the things he says about himself. Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention he did uh, also write most of the New Testament <laughs> by number of books. I think Luke wrote the most in words, but whatever. But he goes on from here. God not only used him in that time, but even today, as we have letters from him, like one he wrote to Timothy. So if you look at First Timothy, here's one of the things that. Uh, Paul later writes to a young man he's kind of mentoring in ministry. Listen to how Paul describes himself and his ministry. Starting in verse 12, he says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be glory, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Isn't that good? (laughs) You have this guy who totally gets it now. He understands that there's a huge difference between righteousness and self-righteousness. And he looks at all of his self-righteousness that he, where he was living before and the ways that he was trying to justify himself and make himself out to be on God's team and all those other people are the bad guys. And he finds out, no, 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 no. It was exactly that attitude that made him the bad guy. And he sees it now for what it was. His idolatry of self has been unmasked and he sees that he was a blasphemer, that he was a violent man. He sees what's really going on in his heart and he sees that he's the worst of all the sinners. But that doesn't stop him from seeing the good news and that message that, hey, Christ came to save sinners. So if I'm in that camp, hallelujah. (laughs) And if he can save me, and this is his point, he's like, if he can save me, that's good news for everybody. So here's the message for us today. If you're here today, and you are thinking to yourself, yeah, that's what he did. But what I've done, it's too bad. I'm too far gone. If anybody actually knew what was really going on in my heart and my life, I would be rejected completely. Nobody would sit next to me on this pew if they really knew. 
And for you, I hope that what you're hearing in this is the trustworthy saying that Christ came to save sinners. And as Paul said, he was the very worst. He says, if he can save the worst, he can save anybody. That means you. So I hope you hear that today. If you've come today and you're thinking, this message is for somebody else because I'm doing all right. then I hope <laughs> that while you may have come here today like Saul going to Damascus, you would leave here today like Saul leaving Damascus, having encountered the real Jesus who didn't come to pat good people on the back but to save sinners. And I hope that the words that we use in the coming days and weeks would be as changed as Saul's were, going from murderous threats at the beginning to preaching about the salvation offered in Jesus at the end. Not because we learn new words, but because we have new hearts. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.